Hello, and thanks for joining us. This is episode number eight of For the Record, which is a show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. Whether you're listening to us on BFF.FM, Thursdays at 9.30 a.m., we're on right after Rollover Easy, or if you've subscribed to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com, we're just glad that you're listening. This week, we're talking about Deep Fantasy, which is the third record from a Vancouver band called White Lung, and it's their first release on Domino Records. It's an album that made me ask myself, what does it mean to like music? It starts out like this. This song doesn't take its time to get down to business. It starts with a squeal and then some really legit metal guitar work. And I'm down for some headbanging, so I appreciate that. And it just it start, sets a pace for the album that doesn't really let up. But at the same time, it's it starts off saying, hey, this is metal. And then I think the song goes to a little more interesting place. And I'm, I'm glad that it starts with metal. I'm glad it just doesn't stay that the entire time. But when I say that this is a, an album that makes me think about what it means to like music is it just starts out right at the gate, like making me feel something really strong. And it's I think it's carried throughout the record that the tone is kind of menacing and the vocals are very aggressive and the, the pace is so fast that it's almost exhausting to listen to. It's, it's a good thing that the album is only 22 minutes long because like you can barely keep up with it. But, you know, listening to it, and we'll talk about this throughout the show, that there's great technical proficiency. I love the lyrics. They're really great musicians. The production is fantastic. Um, There are many things to love about this album, and I think it's a really good record. But at the same time, I don't want to sit and listen to it very well. Like, it was exhausting just to listen to it enough times to talk about it on the show. And that doesn't, like, does that mean I like it, or does that mean I don't like it? Or is it just that you know, art is something that can't be fit into a binary Facebook like or don't like. I think definitely this album, it is it is very aggressive. But as you, the lyrics, I think these lyrics are angry lyrics. They're meant to be sung fast and loud, and they wouldn't work, I think, sung in a different style with different instrumentation. But that that is an interesting question, because, of course, I think music compared to other art forms is something you're sort of do we expect to listen to something over and over and over again is that necessary for it to be a good album or can it be something that you listen to a couple times and it leaves you exhausted Mm -hmm. and this i think is not i I actually i this definitely benefited i was glad that i took the time to listen a few times because there is that texture it's it seems very kind of upfront at first and then it it reveals depths and textures on, on repeated listens 
And you talked about the lyrics. Like, I really like, I like how evocative the lyrics are. And, you know, she talks about getting dragged down with the monster. And that's, I'm not sure exactly what is being evoked here, whether it's, you know, could be read as like substance abuse or someone that you're fighting with in a relationship. But it's like this idea of getting dragged down, you know, stooping to their level and getting dragged down into the mud with them and getting dirty. I like that there's an ambiguity. Uh, I think I read the interview with her where she very carefully said, oh, this is about a couple of addictions Mm. without saying what they were. Uh And let's, I'm a big enough nerd that I went through a brief period where I thought, she really into video games. Like I passed that, but I'm just saying like, this is like, there are a lot of different (laughs) things that one can become addicted to. I think that's maybe not something that's going to elicit quite so aggressive a response as I rode the monster and he wanted more pretty blunt not not subtle it's not a subtle album but there's still that ambiguity i I really like that kind of when it gets spooky with the the water looks good on you the water looks good on me that just it's not clear exactly who she's singing to but it's it's not a good situation but this song i think it starts off it's metal but there's that the singing is not then in the next song we go right back to the metal. And I appreciate that. I, you know, I have a great nostalgia. I grew up on metal. And so I'm glad there's at least a little more of that going on on the next song of Down It Goes. So after the second track in there, you kind of I, I started to get a sense of how great the production is on this album. A lot of, you know, my history growing up with punk was all, you know, it was very DIY and there's a lot of really sludgy production going on. And it's amazing how I don't know who was the producer on this album, but they make it very clear that you can hear every instrument on its own and you can pick it out. And in fact, in Face Down, they have, um, which is a song that comes later that we'll play, the intro has each instrument coming in separately and you can just really appreciate the technical precision that all of these folks play with. That's one thing that really makes the album stand out for me. Yeah, it's sort of interesting though because yeah, you've got this clean production, which is a very kind of commercial pop production almost. And at Mm -hmm. the same time, You've got these really angry lyrics. I mean, this that first song seeming to be about some kind of addiction, and here I could at least read as a woman talking about living in fear that like how anybody she meets could have a knife, could poison her, or you know drug her, and that going through life like that, you're gonna be pissed off, and that it's to have that kind of pop commercial production style on content that is not commercial. <laughs> like that's really yeah, that's not feel-good content. Whereas I read this much more as about, like, disordered eating, maybe, and there's a lot of, it's kind of like the threat is within you with, you know, everything you eat or don't eat. You have this fear and anxiety about it. And I think that kind of fits into a theme with the album, which is these very ambiguous lyrics, some of which are hard to discern. And it's sometimes a challenge to 
figure out what the intended meaning is. And, you know, you can also put your own meaning onto it in a lot of ways. But going back to the really interesting production techniques and the technical virtuosity of these musicians, I like the way that this is one of the few albums or few songs where there's an interesting transition between this and the next song, which is Snake Jaw. And so we'll play the end of Down It Goes leading into Snake Jaw, and you can hear how it um, transitions. I liked the metal guitar or the very metal influenced guitar on the earlier tracks. I, I would say that this track is noteworthy for moving into, uh, I think, a less sludgy, a little less aggressive direction. Still plenty fast, plenty loud, but there are these textures that emerge. And, I, and as much as I think you, you talked about this song being, or this album being a bit much to handle on repeat listens, this track for me, you start to hear these textures, and every time repeat listens you hear more and more and every time come away more and more impressed by this guitarist yeah and part of it also is that it just moves so quickly that you have to listen to it a a, a number of times to see you know to hear everything that's going on and like in particular i think around the two minute mark on that song we didn't include it in that clip but there's a really beautiful like a guitar solo that would be a really pretty melody if it was slowed down, but it's just like it happens so fast and it goes by and it's gone by the time you notice it. And it reminds me of when my dogs were younger, they were really fast and they're whippets, which are a very fast dog. And um, I'd take them to the dog park and they would go running around in circles and other dogs would try to play chase with them, but would just get really frustrated and like they would start barking and kind of like try to nip at them and like just cut across the circle to, to try and cut them off and like just want them to slow down because like they, they were going so fast that it wasn't fun and they couldn't play. And so that's kind of the feeling I've, I felt like I was getting as I was listening to this album is it's just like I, I it was like exhausting to try and keep up mentally and I just kept wanting for them to slow down. It is definitely different ways to listen to music. And for me, I, I kind of like that this aggressive music that you're not going to get everything the first time and it rewards repeat listenings. But then you do have to kind of pick and choose because, hey, this 20 minute al- album, I'm going to have to listen to this 20 times mm-hmm. before I really start to get it. And that, you know, there is a trade-off there. And if, if each time you come away exhausted and doing going through that a bunch of times, I know I'm glad I listened to this album as many times as I did to really try and understand it. But yeah, I can, I can understand that it's not for everyone, but I think it's worth it. 
in this case. I, I like the album a lot, and it, but it's. It, I think this track is a little interesting because you talked about the last one being you know, ambiguous, and I, I certainly took an interpretation. You said it was more about maybe eating disorder, whereas this one I think is much more explicitly. It seemed less ambiguous to me that this was you know, the the image of the snake jaw. Well, how do snakes eat? They just mm-hmm. you know open their mouth and eat everything, eat entire beasts, and the you know certainly lyrical references to people being thin, starving, and being ugly and hiding inside of a body and it's just i think some really great imagery about how that feels and really to try and get you that i trying to get inside the head of someone with that kind of body dysmorphia is really good but i also maybe have made the mistake of reading an interview where they talk about that and that's always i don't think that's making a mistake i think that helps understand the message that she's trying to get out across and i did read an interview where the singer mishway explicitly said that you know because this was their first record they had two albums earlier but domino is a much bigger record label and this was they knew that they were going to have a bigger platform and domino was going to do a lot more marketing than they had ever seen of the record and so they were going to she saw an opportunity to get a message across and was more thoughtful in what she was trying to communicate with this record yeah, well, it's definitely good that they're they're not just trying to be a party band, but yeah, trying to say something. And you know, hopefully, audiences that are into aggressive music are going to listen to this. And yeah, it's not just about aggression, but it's you know about feminism. It's about being a woman and be, trying to get through all the crap and coming out stronger on the on the other end of it. And that's I think a good message for anyone to hear. But I, you know, I, I said I feel like these first few tracks are pretty are, are less ambiguous, and I think it gets. Then we come into this next track, and I think certainly the anger's there, but I, it's not as obvious to me, and I think it's a little more ambiguous as to where that anger is directed in the fourth track, Face Down. talked about how great the guitar work was on snake job but then this track comes along and i feel like the uh the, the guitar is so i i really like that angular style where it feels like there's somehow multiple melodies being playing and this like multiple notes at the same time and they're kind of stepping on each other and i was just i i i could listen to the guitar work all day and it's and i, I think that's kind of a recurring theme on this album like each track has both really amazing guitar work and it, in a very different style. I think this is kind of this kind of art punk style with, you know, metal tinged maybe, but yeah, this notion of having this sort of, I keep saying angular, but that's really how it feels. That these like, it's not these broad, it's not chords, it is notes. It's these really, and just super intricate, multiple of them at the same time. And one thing that I noticed when I was listening to this, 
or what, what kind of picked up on it is like, I don't really hear the bass as a separate instrument. It just feels like there's kind of this bass and then a kind of strumming like rhythm guitar. And then these multiple melodic lines all happening. And then read later that, Oh, when they recorded this album, they actually didn't have a dedicated bassist and the guitarist also played bass. So obviously there was some degree of, you know, laying down a track and then coming back and laying down a digital track. And I'm kind of curious how many times did they do that? Cause it just, it's, it's inconceivable that even two people could play this. And I, I, you know, as much as I don't know that I can handle a live performance by this band, cause I think it would kick my ass. Uh, I would just love to see this guy work. And is he really able to do this sort of amazing work live? Yeah, the guitar, the the way that he shreds, it really reminds me a lot of Marnie Stern, and especially because she does a lot of the higher higher notes too, and just like played in really quick, rapid succession. And we saw her play at South by Southwest, I guess it was the year before last, and just watching her fingers, and she does the finger tapping style and stuff. She's amazing. But anyway, um, I this talking about context with music, I actually I a lot of the reviews of this album I read were comparing them to Slater Kinney, which I find very irritating because they don't sound anything like Slater Kinney. And really what they're saying is that these are women and like it's a band of women who like rock hard. Yeah. And anytime, hey, a woman is singing and she's angry. Oh, we'll put her in this box. And especially since, you know, when I was growing up, we had kind of the twin poles of Slater Kinney and or growing up in college or whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you, were, you were young. <laughs> growing up as an adult. But, you know, we had Slater Kinney on one side and Bikini Kill on the other side. And one of the things that I always found frustrating about Slater Kinney, not that this takes anything away from them being an amazing band, and I know they are yeah, your you, favorite band. You, you'd better not. But was that, you know, where Bikini Kill was very upfront about their feminist message and being women and recognizing that they only got a platform to stand on because of, you know, the hard work that feminists who had come before them had done. I feel like Slater Kinney kind of, you know, I, I think in their minds they were conveying that message in a more subtle way. But to me, it was just kind of like ignoring it. And that bothered me a little bit. So anyway, so to have a band that so overtly has a feminist message being compared to Slater Kinney, I think is it's irritating because that's sort of like, oh, well, that's what some like male pitchfork writer would think. Well, it, it's tough. Slater Kinney blew up and I'd like the positive spin would be that, hey, they think that these this band is good enough that they could blow up. And uh, here I am putting the positive spin. But uh, let. But anyway, my what what I'm trying the point that I'm trying to make here is that it, this song in particular and in general reminds me a lot of really old whole stuff, kind of of the pretty pretty on the inside era. And you know that was before Courtney Love became sort of a celebrity and a personality. And her whole's later stuff and then her later solo stuff is very different. But the earlier whole stuff, I think, really harkens back to. Uh, th that's what I was thinking of when I was hearing this album, it, not just in message, but in tone and in her vocals. I read that Courtney Love was actually is actually a proponent of this band and really was saying that she hopes that they succeeded. So anyway, but carrying on that kind of feminist message, the next track is called I Believe You.
So you talked about Mish Wei wanting to have positive messages, and certainly I believe you is a pretty positive message, especially, and of course I read an interview, and that's the trade-off with an interview of getting that interpretation that it's I believe you, and she's saying that to victims of domestic abuse or sexual violence, and certainly you can get that from the lyrics or of sexual violence in general, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to run and you're going to chase me. But at the same time, that, you know, I talked about having misgivings about reading interviews or, you know, reading people's reviews of the album because you're getting those other interpretations. And I, and I'm care I want to be careful not to read too much of that well, because and, it can kind of close off. And it's interesting that you say that because John Roderick, one of his things is that in interviews, he won't, when people ask what is a song about, he won't ever say because he's like, it's, you know, an entire presentation of the lyrics and the music and what I was trying to communicate and what someone else might get out of it might be different and that's okay and I don't want to bias them into, you know, what my intent was. Yeah, and it's good of him to do that. Of course, the interviewer can still put that interpretation into the way that he or she asked the questions, mm -hmm. which I think I got there. But that's, that is that point. It is good that John Roderick at least is trying not to facilitate, you know, the intentional fallacy of... You know, the authorial intent is not the be all and end all, but it, it is, I think, an interesting reminder for me that, you know, I think I read a uh, review, I broke down and read a review saying that, hey, you really need to read this with a lyric sheet. But of course, in a world where we're listening on a streaming service or buying your music from your favorite giant internet conglomerate, very rarely are the lyrics part of that. You know, maybe, ooh, special feature, you get the digital booklet. But mm -hmm. usually you don't. And, and Well, often I, often they do. Actually, like you'll get a PDF of the album art and stuff, and I never look at it. Well, I think had I had this included the PDF, I would have, I would have been all over that. And it's so even though the production can be clean, with this kind of aggressive music, you're not going to get the clarity except little bits and pieces. And so... I, what I would say with this is like, hey, at least there's that one kind of clear point and it ends on that wonderful, I will win. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think if there, you know, a message to take away from the album, I and mean, we actually hear this again later in the album, that I will win. That's whatever else is going on, she has that confidence. And, and it, it's like when someone's singing with this amount of skill and anger and I believe her. Like I believe that she's gonna win. I I also like how in I think this is one of the few. Almost all of the songs are addressed in the. Is it second person? They're addressed to you, and it's usually someone who's oppositional or threatening. And this is the only one where it's kind of a message of comfort of uh, I believe you. Yeah, and it's great. It's right here in the center of the album, and yeah, angry is all the rest. The metal guitar certainly comes back, but yeah, that it has a, in some ways, yeah, that much more positive and supporting message. But speaking of the metal guitar, talk to, I keep talking about the guitar. And in fact, this next song, I think I have to play just because it just, it's yet this another case where this guitarist demonstrates his amazing range. So we'll hear a little of that. And that is Wrong Star. guitar sound in the opening 
I feel like I've heard that before, but it's always been kind of this harmonic texture. And here with that kind of speed and as a melodic line, it was really surprising and impressive. I mean, the guitar work across this entire thing, but that just really surprised me. Uh, and I did like some of the, I, I think lyrically, there's some nice kind of touches here. Uh, I think at one point she refers to you being, you were born under, and then just kind of stops herself and like, you are a dog, a bad star. Wrong star. Wrong star. <laughs> yeah okay clearly i'm not good with lyrics but yeah born under and then just becoming just nope you weren't you weren't you are what you were born under Mm -hmm. yeah i i the only thing that stands out for me in this track is just the amazing guitar work and i think this has the best guitar melodies on the whole album and and again i just i wanted it to be slowed down so i could hear it a little bit more just listen more times yeah and so then the album goes into two more tracks that we're not going to play, which are Just For You and Sycophant, and they're kind of more of the same. Those didn't really stand out for us. And then we get into the penultimate track, which is Lucky One. song has some of the clearest lyrics in terms of being able to understand the words it's definitely i think open to interpretation and maybe it's me trying to find a positive spin or a positive point on a pretty angry album but i kind of took this as almost a love song maybe this is going for a stretch or maybe i read the wrong interview but it seems like someone trying to you know i'm a strong person but i'm also gonna just give into my feelings with you and that maybe she trusts herself to do that that uh my eyes have no mind that like when I see you, you know, something takes over and, and it's, you know, a different, a different message, but I think taken in the whole of this album, she's just exploring so many themes and it's just, that's what the album is, is her finding the strength and just the virtue of a guitar. Let's not forget the drummer is really solid, not as flashy and her there are voice. There's definitely some really great drum fills in there that I noticed, but they just go by so fast. Everything that... is so fast. Well, listen a few times and you'll get more out of it. And yeah, you just get this positive, strong woman who will win. I know I've said this now multiple times, but everything goes by so quickly that you can't really appreciate it. And I feel like that was my main... I don't want to say it's a criticism of the album because I think that was the intent. And I think that's also its strength. But um, it is what it is. And it makes me wonder... It, I As I was listening to it, I wondered if it's going to be hard for them to find more mainstream commercial success when they don't even have a single that's three minutes long and so then i feel like this the last song in the album was maybe an answer to my question which is in your home where it's slowed down a little bit it's longer and so you know you might be able to take it as a hint at this is the direction that they're heading in this is that last track in your home and thanks for listening 